0: Well, Pastor Herbert, we are here at River Valley Conference and uh, you're speaking and those who are listening, maybe they attended conference or maybe they're saying, why wasn't I there? But you've been with us this weekend, talked about the Holy Spirit, been here at conference and uh, just so glad to sit down with you, chat a little bit further here on Talking Church today.
1: I'm so excited to be here. It's just a great weekend of services and to be able to pour into and invest in uh, God's generals, pastors, and leaders. I, I just love it. The, the multiplying effect is what I call it.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what we always think about is how many people does this represent, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, for those, maybe you're just listening on audio. Maybe you hear a little bit background noise. It's not normal. We're actually in the lobby at conference right now recording this. So you may say, I hear something in the background. That's intentional. Why don't you show we're here? And so we're just glad that we're doing this. Um, I want to jump in and, and maybe share a little bit for those who maybe don't know a lot about your church, but why did you... Why'd you want to be a pastor? Why'd you want to lead a church? Uh, It's it's something in in our circles, right? That we, oh yeah, that's what we do. And I've just seen them up there for 20 years preaching. But what led you to actually want to go
1: into ministry? Yeah, well, I I would say when I gave my heart to Christ, I had an opportunity to preach to my youth group. My youth pastor saw something uh, in my life. And then from there went on to college. But while I was in college my freshman year, I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry. Uh, Through a series of events, I ended up at Evangel College, which is known as Evangel University, and got a lot of opportunities to preach. I preached at chapel, and then doors opened up, and I started traveling in college and preaching out. And that led me then to uh, booking up my summers. And and then when I graduated college, I started traveling full-time as an evangelist uh, and speaking and preaching. And while I was traveling, one engagement, speaking, I was driving home. And God just spoke to me in the car. I'm calling you and Tiffany to plant a multicultural church. Wow. And it was back in, uh, we started our church in 2002. This was 2001. Okay. And through a series of events, we chose Oklahoma City. Uh, were you we, living there at the time? We were or? living in Springfield, Missouri oh, at okay. the time. Got it. Travel. So what,
0: what kind of led you to Oklahoma City?
1: Yeah, well, we were preaching a youth camp there. Okay. Uh, it was in the summer, in June of 2020, uh, of, of 2002. 2001. And while we were there, uh, someone had, we were talking about what God has laid on our heart to start a church. And they said, well, have you ever thought about Oklahoma City? We thought, no, we've never thought about it. We're looking in Kansas City. We're looking in St. Louis. We're looking in Phoenix. We're, and actually, we're actually looking in, in Minnesota. We And we were looking around. And you, you and, came up for the winter and uh, said, no, I, this yeah. is not God. I know yeah. this is not yeah. God. <laughs> we're and, still asking ourselves yeah. that question. <laughs> and after youth camp, we drove up to oklahoma city and when we were driving around we thought we just this is it and matter of fact that first trip to oklahoma city to go look to see if this is god we saw a mall and it was a movie theater attached and we said that's what we need to start the church hmm. fast forward to may of 2002 that's exactly wow. where we started the church wow that's yeah. amazing so over 20 years i'm sure lots of memories along the way
0: uh, going back to preaching i think for you know for me I had the chance to open up our series on the Holy Spirit, what we call Home Team Weekend, and then you just preached this next weekend. And it's funny, all the all the notes that my dad gave me. Hey, here's ways that you can, you know, improve. Here's here's things you could do. A story, personal thing, everything that he wrote in my notes, you did in your sermon. So I was laughing and saying, man, he's got a little bit more experience than I do in preaching. For me, who's new into ministry, maybe for those who are newer in preaching or who are still just, maybe they've been doing it for a while, but they still feel like they haven't got to that level that they feel comfortable yet. What were things early on for you as you were just an evangelist or preaching that over the years you've seen have helped you grow in your confidence as a communicator?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I I would just say we all go through that phase. I think about when I first started preaching, I used to try to imitate uh, preachers. And uh, I had one preacher who was he was great at hooping. And I tried, you know, you know, as a black preacher, you might sometimes think, he, he, I bet you he can hoop. Man, I can't hoop. <laughs> and the Lord is <laughs> just, it's, it's, it's not there for yeah, me. Yeah. I, I just can't do it. And then I tried to be really intelligent. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to work the Greek and, and sure. angle and, and tried to be a, just really an, an intelligent approach. And so it took me a moment to find my voice. And I think that if we continue to work on, that's what I did, I continue to work at finding my own voice, how God wired me, Uh, my own communication style and I think just leaning into that I think there takes some practicing on implementing what other people are doing and growing at it and getting experience at it and you end up finding your own voice and I think there's nothing like practice there's nothing like repetition so don't wait to get really good or great before you start you just gotta jump out you got to start communicating you got to start preaching you got to start writing messages um, and then the more you do it, the better you get, and you end up finding your voice. And I think that's just important to find your voice.
0: H- how was your feedback in your, your feedback loop as you were early on? Was Tiffany very much a loud voice, or was she somebody that said, I'm not trying to give you critical feedback because I know you're working? Or was she somebody that had no, 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 this, 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 this didn't make sense? How was that relationship, and maybe other people early on that
1: were able to speak into your speaking ability, or was it mostly just reps, 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 and getting better? I would definitely say both. I mean, I definitely, Tiffany's always been a vital part of, uh, even today, of, hey, did that make sense, or what could I do better, or was that funny, did that land well? So I would say, you know, we've been married 26 years this year, so she's been a very vital part of helping to shape my communication and speaking into it. But I value feedback. It's probably one of my strengths as a leader is I genuinely value feedback. So I'm always seeking after it. And that was in the early days of preaching and communicating. Even as an evangelist, I would always get feedback from uh, pastors that I was preaching for. What could I do better? How could I better serve your church? I had an evangelist when I first started who was a really big mentor to me and took me under his wing. And he kind of taught me how to connect with the church and he taught me hey, here's what you can do to serve a church and serve a pastor. And so I just tried to really, really be a student and apply what I was learning. For feedback, I, I, I would say for me, I value feedback, but it
0: really hurts. For you, do, do you feel like it just doesn't hurt? You just grow? Or how has that been receiving it? Because I, I know I need to get better but sometimes when I read a piece of feedback from people that it, I take it personally or I take it offensive and I, I know I need to grow and I know I need the feedback to grow, but it's not always easy.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I would say just when it comes to feedback, obviously uh, the who it is matters. Right. And, and, and even the approach matters. And so I do feel like I've grown a lot. So I think we can all uh, deal with that feeling. This is hurtful or it's it's personal or I'm a little offended, but when I really know somebody's for me and I really do desire being all that God's called me to be, it really causes me to lean in. And I think the worst thing that I want to be is having a booger in my nose and I, and I don't know it because I'm, right. I'm unwilling to receive feedback. So, and I, here, here's what happened to me, Logan. I've, I've, I've had some boogers in my nose right. <laughs> and I did not know it. Mm-hmm. And then I waited years and to really receive and hear from people. And I thought, you know what? I don't ever want to be there again. and So I even think there's a level of brokenness that happens uh, in all of us so that we can better receive feedback to be all that God wants us to be. Following that a little bit, are there
0: examples that you can share of those things that maybe could help people to say, hey, this is a real example of things that maybe I was oblivious to or didn't want to listen to that maybe, you know, again, part of this is through our trials, helping other people. Are there anything that jump out to you that think of where you say, okay, that was a moment where I wish I would've known that sooner
1: yeah i would say that in my 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 early years of pastoring people's church i didn't value how i was making people feel it was a blind spot for me so i would leave a conversation or i would leave giving instructions thinking hey that person that landed well they felt good and then i had one of my team members telling me i don't think they feel the way that you think they feel Mm. i'm like ah whatever no no i really don't ah whatever and then I said, well, okay, bring them in the room. And so we sat down together, and I got to hear how they were feeling, and I was blind to it. Tell me more. And it, it was, and I would say this, uh, 80% of what they said was was correct, and, it, and 20% of it, you know, it's like, yeah. that wasn't. But the 80%, and I really grew from, wow, my perspective was wrong on this, and I really needed to value what, other, what others had to say so I could grow as a leader.
0: Were there things that you did that practically that were able to do that, or was it just that moment of awareness that kind of shook you to where you were more intentional about it?
1: I'll say it shook me, and it made me aware of this. I, I had I, I had a pastor on our staff say this to me, and I think this is the key. This is really critical for every point leader. If you're over a department, you're a senior leader, just that oftentimes our whispers a war. Mm. But I didn't realize that my whisper is a roar to others. And so began to realize to realize that, to recognize that, and also now realize, how hey, you gotta pause, Herbert. You gotta, you gotta ask more questions than, than talk. And it's hard in a meeting when you're the right. leader, you're the point leader to say, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna ask questions, not just talk in statements, mm-hmm. but right. talk with questions. So I could draw out other people's perspective. Even if I don't use your perspective, even if I don't use your idea, I valued you by listening and leaning in and asking questions. So I had to really grow with some of those tools so that I would make people feel like you don't care. Right. You don't value my perspective. You're not listening to me.
0: Right, so. yeah. Even just now, I was messaging with our team a few minutes ago and said, hey, we might want to delay you know, the breakout sessions. And they said, is this a vote or is this a statement? I said, it's a vote. And then we ended up ending on time and it worked out great. So I'm like, if I would have just declared it, we probably would have been in a bad situation. Or, or not bad, but just it would have not been the right call. But they said, no, is this, well, they're questioning. And I think sometimes those questions, they're not combative, they're not against you, but they're just, we're, we're wondering, because if you're telling us not to do this, we won't
1: do it. But if you're asking our opinion, and so it's giving that clarity for sure. It really is. I think it's a game changer in building teams, having unity, having synergy, having buy-in uh, as a team. So I, th- I think it's critical. You spoke at our
0: conference recently and uh, it was super powerful as you shared some vulnerable moments with you and your wife and just it's it's not always on, on the mountaintops, right? You even shared a picture of when you were in Boston, I think, and you it the picture looked great, but behind the scenes it was ah oh, we were arguing, we were down. Can you talk about the moments in ministry to where you're not on your mountaintops and maybe what you've done to help yourself get out of that spiral, that rut of man, we're, we're not where we want to be.
1: Yeah, I, I would say a, a few things has come to mind. I'd say, first of all, that not getting my identity out of growth, out of moving forward. So I want to move forward for the right reasons, uh, not for the wrong reasons. And so for some of me getting out of a rut was, I've got my identity on growth. If things are going good, I'm good. If they're going bad, I'm bad. Mm -hmm. And I had to really get rooted in who I was in Christ, that God loves me, he's for me, his hand is on me when things are good and when things are not good. So that just has really, really helped me. And I also think just not being paralyzed. So for me, it's continuing to take steps forward when there's obstacles when there's challenges and realizing that every time we want to move forward or oh, i love the conferencing every time we want to take ground right. there's obstacles there's challenges but i think that's difficult to to understand and to realize sometimes because in our in our culture social media it's it's a good thing but it could be a bad thing because right. we see every, when I, back in the day logo and i i used to go home from preaching i went home and i love my kids i watched football what love my wife and I just celebrated what God did. Now you go home from Sunday services, you hop on social media. You're yeah, like, yeah. and you baptized 3,000 and 49,000 got saved, right. <laughs> and, right? And so now you're comparison, comparing and you're thinking, man, if I had the same anointing they had, it'd be easier. Right. If I had their situation, it'd be easier. But when you understand this, we all are fighting giants, right? We all are fighting obstacles. Don't get paralyzed by it. Keep moving forward because I love what the scripture says in due season galatians 6 9. if you keep doing the right thing keep doing good in due season you'll reap a harvest so so i think that's really critical yeah you talk about comparison and it's something
0: that as sad as it is it's something as pastors we deal with all the time like you said we see all these other amazing churches and people that are are celebrating these wins even though we're doing the same and maybe they're actually comparing themselves to us it's this again cycle of comparison. I saw a few weeks ago that you spoke at Life Church, and Pastor Craig spoke for you guys. Uh, for people who are maybe not from Oklahoma City, of course, there's a lot of other churches. But in our tribe, so to speak, people know you, and they know Pastor Craig, and they know you're both in Oklahoma City. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship you've had? Maybe some some vulnerable moments of saying, "Oh, well." I- they're, they're a big church we're a big church they're in this community we're in that community helping people understand because again from the outside in we see oh pastor herbert pastor craig they're they're the leading oklahoma city but certainly there's times where i'm sure that's been a, a thought maybe for people on your staff or even for you but then going and trading pulpits that's something that maybe not even people in their own city would do
1: yeah i just say number 1 craig rochelle is uh, him and amy are just some of the most kingdom minded people, uh, just their, their life, you version, just all the things that they do. Uh, and when I first moved to Oklahoma City uh, 21, 22 years ago, uh, Craig was one of the first people I reached out to. Uh, we had lunch, uh, and we've just been a friends since, since then. And so I think that both of us just have a heart that we're about the kingdom. Uh, it's the kingdom first. And with any relationship, right, with my wife, with my kids, with Craig, you're going to have Moments of tension, or maybe things you don't see it the same way, but being committed to relationship and be committed to unity and committed to building the kingdom together. And so, I've learned a lot from Craig about just being kingdom minded. And I, I just really believe this uh, that what God has for me is for me, right? And I think that's really key. So, when I think about like David, David's brothers were all in the house, the prophet comes to choose the next king, right? And all uh, David wasn't there to, to, to be popular. He wasn't there to let his voice be known, to show his gifts. But what God had for David was for David. And the, and the prophet said, no, not, none of these are the one. And it was David. And I think just having that security that says, you know what, in Oklahoma City, what God has for Herbert Cooper is for Herbert Cooper. Right. What God has for Craig Rochelle is for Craig Rochelle. And being secure in that uh, and just knowing that, I think is key. And I'll say one more thing. And you know what? No matter how great you are, how, God, how God's hand is on your life, people are going to leave your church. <laughs> right. So, so just whether they go to Craig's or someone else, I've done it long enough to know not everybody's staying, but we thank God for those who are with us going to help us move the vision forward. And if you really want to go to... Uh, Craig's Church, man, you're welcome to go. Right, but if right. you're called to be with us, let's go and move it. Let's move the kingdom forward. Right,
0: yeah. I think people leaving churches is one of the hardest things as a pastor because you go, I'm pouring my life into this. It's not just your occupation, but it's this calling. It's the shepherd. It's like your flock. And then somebody leaves, and again, for whatever reason, whether it's another church or oh, I'm just not feeling it or whatever it is, it's. But but I but I married you or I, I baptized you or I discipled you. Uh, has it gotten easier over the years or is it hard every time
1: I would say that it it still stings I don't take it as personal sure I used to take it personal it was me it was my preaching sure it was my leadership so because I love people and I care about people it stings so I'm grateful that my heart is still tender my heart is still soft so it still stings but I don't take it personal. so the whole thought of you're not deep You're not feeding me. You know, all all those kinds of things. I don't, I don't, it's not personal anymore.
0: (laughs) But early on, you want to bow up and you go, well, how many days are you even reading your Bible? Oh, it's not deep enough. Well, you didn't like this message. You didn't like that. You know, it's easy to get defensive. Right.
1: Because you're taking it personal because, you know, because you're really thinking, so I'm not deep. So it's me. So it was my decision, right? And now um, I've done it long enough to realize ah that's not that's not yeah that's not really what it is. It's probably more of what's going on
0: in them than it is what's going on in you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. As you think about lessons that you're learning that are new lessons for you, are there things that jump to mind? I mean, we're, we're kind of post COVID now. We've been I feel like we're going to talk about that probably for the next 10, 15 years just because it was such a change up event in our history. But are there things that you're thinking about or that you're asking questions on, obviously, there's things like technology and AI that people are wondering, there's, you know, deep fakes, there's these things in, in the world that are just kind of these new things, self-driving cars, whatever it is. As you look ahead, you know, you've been pastoring for over 20 years at People's, what what are things that, you're, that are kind of on the, the tip of your mind or the front of your mind that you're saying, I'm not sure that I've quite figured this out yet, but I'm intrigued and excited to maybe lean into this or maybe the opposite, maybe, hey, I'm afraid for this for our culture.
1: Wow, that's a a great question. Um, yeah, what I would say, I, I am afraid in the in the in our in our culture, especially in, in church culture, that that we are bold with truth, and yet we continue to maintain unity as a church. Right. You know, I've just seen um, churches struggling. You sure. know what I'm saying? And and I think that. COVID was a great revealer of people's depth and mm-hmm. unity. Sure. The, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Seeing churches obviously closed and businesses closed. And so I think the, just in our culture, the boldness to speak truth and yet the wisdom and the love to, to continue to, to, to force together with unity, uh, so that the world can see a church that is a loving church, bold and truthful and loving. I think that we continue to move, uh, I love this theme, take ground. That's probably one of the strongest things in my heart. Sure. As I see church leaders, as I see churches, uh, it's almost they're paralyzed. COVID, uh, what's happening with the economy, just everything that's going on. A lot of people are taking it easy, just trying to hold on. And I really believe, you know, uh, Pastor Rob just preached taking ground. Like I really deeply, I'm going to talk about this at the conference. We've got to take ground. We've got to move forward. We've got to be aggressive. And I think we've got to be looking for opportunities. We've got to be leveraging technology. Yeah. And so I just think that's so key. People are dying uh, without Christ. Right. And we've got to continue to move forward and leverage all the resources, all the technology, be creative, surround ourselves with wise, godly, young people who are full of energy, ideas and innovative, but just keep moving forward. Right when you surround
0: yourself with people who want to take ground, sometimes it can be scary. Sometimes they're going to come up with an idea that is maybe even more faith filled than your idea, right? As a leader. And, and sometimes as a pastor, you have to coach them up and say like, we're going to go and we're going to surround the school for a hundred days. It's Like you better have heard from God on that one. You know, we're going to do a Jericho march around the building to get it. Uh, Can you talk about maybe moments of as a leader, and maybe to people who are not in charge per se, or not the, the head pastor of their church, moments of how to to bring ideas of these faith, these take ground and energy. Because I think a lot of young people, or, or maybe the executive or associate pastor, they wanna, they wanna make big moves and they wanna be a part of it. But in some ways, that's not the call that they have. But then in other ways, they can actually bring this to a leader. Are there examples you can think of or, or ways that you would help coach people who maybe aren't in your seat that has a little bit more freedom but still wants to be a part of the game or a part of taking ground
1: yeah i think some things that that would be key i'd say first of all your approach really matters and so sometimes i think there can be an approach of um, entitlement sure or a, a, an approach of uh, you all just don't see it you don't get it Mm. And so since you don't get it, I'm gonna help you get it. Right. It's just not a good approach where you're probably talking to your a senior leader or to your executive. So how can you have an approach that we're in it together? I value our past, I value where we are, and I want to help us move forward. Right. Like I think most people, most leaders want to move forward, you sure. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think how do you do that in a way with that kind of approach? And I think if, if a leader cannot come with frustration, uh, with entitlement and with I know more than you know, so you need to listen to right. me. I think most leaders will lean in and listen just with the right approach. And so yeah. I think that's just really key.
0: Throughout your time in ministry, you've been surrounded both in the AG, with ARC, with other people. Talk about the importance of those friendships as you grow your church. You talked about, obviously, the relationships with people who are in your city and just loving, the being kingdom-minded. But on a personal level, outside of the platform, you need people in your life that are friends, that are have relationship, and you've been involved in many networks and sit on many leadership teams and boards and things. Are, is there anything that sticks out to you when you think about those friendships and those relationships outside of your congregation in
1: other places and how they've helped carry you forward? Yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today uh, if it wasn't for uh, the leaders and the friends that I have. So whether it be Craig Rochelle or Earl McClellan, or you know, Pastor Chris Hodges, or your dad—I uh, I could just go. The list could go yeah. on and on and on and on of how my life has been impacted, how my ministry has been shaped, how when I was stuck, I got an idea, I got a system, I've got—you know—so I just that has just been so critical not to be isolated. But to take time out to really cultivate friendships has elevated my life and my leadership yeah absolutely it's something that i think we often miss but
0: it's so important to not miss right because the people that i've been friends with people that you've been friends with at different seasons of your life they change right the people maybe in your local area maybe as you grow it's in your in your nation or in your country um, but but a text from a good friend can can help a lot of oh man I'm down attendance is down giving's down whatever it is a text from a good friend that says hey you're you're crushing it
1: you're exactly where God wants you to be that can go a long way in ministry it can go a long ways or, or even just picking up the phone call and just talking life yeah and family and how, you know just can lift your heart lift yeah. your spirit push prepare you for just another week right uh, so I, I think it's I think it's critical. As we come to a
0: close here, um, can you talk a little bit about what you're believing for for your church and maybe what you've been talking to your staff? I know every, every lead pastor is always talking about something. There's new ideas. There's new vision. Are there things that are at people's church that you're thinking about? This is what we're going after. This is what we're hoping for. Uh, we're you know how we're taking ground so to speak that maybe could help inspire others obviously in their context it looks different but for you guys maybe they can grab a hold and lean in almost get an inner look at the staff of people's
1: what you guys are dreaming for yeah i would say a few things first of all that we are starting a, another campus and so awesome. we've bought 23 acres we bought it in the middle of covid uh we're launching it in a school and we want to break ground on a new facility that's awesome uh, so we're really excited about that our Indianapolis location. So we're in another state uh, with a location and it's doing really well. And we're going to move that. We are going to move that campus into a building in a problem this year and just see it continue to explode. And then what one of the things we're really working diligently on is creating a pipeline of leaders in every one of our ministries so that leadership is not hindering vision. Right. And so we've got vision. We're going to start more locations. We're going to continue to reach more people. We're going to cluster in Indianapolis, have several locations there. But we've got to have a pipeline that we have more leaders than we need and more money than we need. So we're just being very diligent to create that pipeline of more money than we need and more leaders than we need. To fulfill the vision God has for us. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, just real quick on that, and this has made me more selfish. As we're getting ready to launch one of our, you know, we're, we're looking at campuses outside of the Twin Cities. Where do we go? What, what is something that stuck out to you with leading in two different states? How have you had to change your mindset to lead something that is no longer just, you know, you can't always use the same references like, oh, the Sooners played today? Well, Half the people or the people in Indy, they're not caring about that. Is, have you had to change your approach, or is it something where where you've just said, hey, we are who we are, and we're going to expand
1: that around the country? No, you definitely, when it comes to your preaching and you're thinking through your illustrations, you're thinking through your communication, I, I think out of state uh, for us has been so critical of having a son or daughter of the house leading Yeah, it. sure. And so, But when I go to Indianapolis, it's people's church. Yeah. It feels like people's church. And so I think how do you create a, a, a leader that, you, that has your culture, that right. has your vision? It wouldn't be one of those things, hey, come in for six months and we're going to send you out of state right, right. To, to be people's church. So I think that's really key. That's awesome.
0: Well, Pastor Herbert, it's been a privilege to sit down, chat a little bit further. I know those that are watching this after conference are coming off your messages. They can watch them back, uh, your message from the weekend on the Holy Spirit, and just excited for all that God is doing with your new campuses, with your expansion across the country. And uh, God's hand is no doubt on your church and your leadership. We're, we're so privileged that you were here with us for conference and excited
1: for more Taking Ground. Amen. Thank you, Logan. It's an honor to be on the, on the podcast with you.